0: Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil and Gas On Shore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeca, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gauthier.
1: All right, let's kick this thing off. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the new and improved Canon with Cooper Gill, sales director at Biota. It's Friday. How was your week, man?
0: It's been a crazy week. Crazy week. You said you were stumbling into the weekend. So why is that? Oh, no, staying up late, enjoying college football, coming back. Yeah. Missed it. Summer's been long, but right. Uh, excited for the weekend.
1: So last night when A&M was playing, weren't they? Or?
0: Yes. A&M destroyed Texas State. And uh, Okay.
1: So you're a Texas State fan?
0: No, I'm actually a Texas grad. Oh, you are Married oh. an Aggie uh, oh. and, and has to just be patient with my kids wearing maroon and play the long game to get them to Texas. Yeah. Nice.
1: So when did you graduate? 2008. 2008. So which is A&M, right? Obviously is where you went to? No, right? I went to Texas. Oh, you went to Texas. But right. Yeah, I
0: went to UT and married an Aggie.
1: Oh, you married an Aggie. Okay, yeah. that's right. So, okay. Interesting dynamic there. Oh, yeah. How does that work? I think we're pretty happy we
0: don't play each other on Thanksgiving anymore. uh, There was some contentious (laughs) years early in the relationship. Uh, We weren't talking by the end of Thanksgiving. night. No way. Oh, yeah. That's so
1: funny. Actually, I was out last night after the baseball game with a customer and he's also from Canada. And so we just find it so comical how prideful people are with their colleges and it's, like you know, you even hear like, oh, I'll only you know, I don't use you know vendors that went to LSU or you know like there's such oh, yeah. a like very thick line and it's like okay, well that makes sense. Like I went to like some tech school where like the minute like I don't even like I don't brag about going to a certain school. I don't have a fancy ring. I don't even know if they actually have rings that they give out. But we were just laughing about it because like yeah, have you ever been to a college football game and. He's like no, but everyone here says college football games are a lot funner and and more exciting than NFL. He's like, I love NFL. I was like, Uh me too. Like, but college games are cool. Like, I've been here long enough now. I can appreciate it. But it's just it's interesting that. The, the dynamic and the intensity that people have for their schools which i i can certainly appreciate
0: yeah so me and my wife like to say we're bipartisan and we just nice. agree we don't like baylor so we okay. we had to go through some years where baylor had a good football team and beat texas and beat a and yeah hearing their fans was just obnoxious so that's like our one like thing we agree on like okay yeah the baylor fans you know they're not always enjoyable when they're winning so really so why is that are they just like cocky or what yeah they got cocky they oh, had really? uh rg3 yeah uh, of course
1: and, i mean was just we'll look at killing him now. everybody yeah like yeah cool he did good in college but where, where did he end up
0: like what is he even doing trying to get back in the nfl right yep. like like johnny menzel
1: yeah <laughs> is he does your wife like johnny menzel
0: yeah she was a huge fan yeah. uh my oldest kid had like a onesie with, nice. with johnny on it yeah. and then he quickly <laughs> made like the descent down the path of like <laughs> come on dude come on like
1: yeah. Calm down. I always ask that. It was entertaining back in the day, and who knows what he's doing now. He made his run at the CFL, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I don't think he did much, but
0: he was with the Montreal Alouettes. Oh yeah. That silly season of No Sports this summer I actually tuned in, you know, you yeah. know watching the TSN broadcast. <laughs>
1: yeah, or... TSN.
0: I grew up <laughs> watching that shit,
1: man. I love it. Anyway, I gotta say, so I obviously looked at your LinkedIn to get an idea, and you have you're a master of engineering. <laughs> That's super cool, man. The only thing I've ever been a master in is, you know, keg stands and roughneck Olympics. <laughs> so like to say I'm an engineer master is pretty cool. So, I mean, you went to school. How did you end up getting into school and, and like, you know, pursuing a path in of oil and gas? And then beyond that, like what made you decide to do a master's of engineering? Like that seems yeah. pretty intense.
0: Yeah, I know. So I kind of stumbled into engineering, didn't really know any engineers in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people just, you assumed you're going to be a doctor Or nurse, like that, you know, that was kind of where a lot of people knew. We had a big hospital. Yeah. And I, um, started liking cars the the funny joke was fast and the furious came out and yeah i was like man that's really cool i want to make a car go fast so I was like talking about my, my best friend his dad you know was building cars and he ended up building like a awesome nova in high school and no so way. that's how i started picking up mechanical stuff ah. uh, and actually thought i was going to be like an f1 pit crew mechanic i was like this, this is what i'm going to do so no way i was like that would be pretty cool i'm, I'm gonna do mechanical engineering i get to go see the world you know this will be great and then realized, oh man like those guys are like way smart like like wicked smart, you know, electronics, aerodynamics, all these things that were not my sweet spot. So I was more of a generalist and, you know, oil was $130 a barrel when I graduated. I got engaged to my wife, so I needed some income Sure. and stumbled into working for Baker Oil Tools. And when I get there, they tell me I'm working on fiber. And I'm like, okay, mm. wh- why does a oil well need like internet? Like that was the only thing I knew fiber optics for. Of course, so, right? New kind of technology, new sensor. And so I was essentially a plumber. I was the guy taking a new tool. And putting it into old tools and trying to you know make something work. Interesting. And so it was it was unique in terms. Of I got to see the whole system. In general, you tend to like focus on just one spot. You know, like one one type of tool when you start there. But I had to help build a whole system. And so I was the hmm. the youngest engineer on the team. And you know, hey, here you go, kid. Put this together. And like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about the the rivalry side. I had an OU engineer that was like my mentor. Oh yeah. And he gave me a drawing, and I had no idea how to read it. And he's like, put this together. And I'm like, oh god. I'm like, I didn't want to ask him for help because I'm like, yeah. I don't want this OU guy knowing that I'm dumb. Like, yeah, yeah. And so I'm down there like, okay, okay, uh, this way? No? Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> you know, finally, like very, very slowly get it put together. But the big thing for me is I just like learning. Like that's my like natural passion is I love learning new stuff. And very so cool. that's a good thing to have in, you know, corporate world. Yeah. And so we actually worked on a project with Shell. The project was funded by Shell. We did the world's first fiber optic wet connect. So we took six fiber optic lines ran on 15,000 feet subsea and connected them. Wow. And so that was a big accomplishment. <laughs> we had a lot of screw ups on the way to get there. And sure. so nothing like, you know, your first 50000 you know, dollar test failure and you're like, oh, am I going to be fired? And it's like, ah, wish you wouldn't have done it. But, you know, part of the project. So what, so you said
1: you ran that. We well, explain what that is and what what's the deliverable on that? Like, yeah, what is the, yeah. why is that important? That's so interesting.
0: offshore, you know, I like to talk, most people, you know, my generation don't actually know anything about offshore. True to know, it's that. It's been right? shale yeah. 100%. And so. When you've got these offshore sands, they're unconsolidated. So once you start pulling the pressure down, the sand, the rock actually breaks apart and you'll start pulling the sand in, and you lose productivity. Makes sense. So you do what's called a gravel pack, a sand pack, or a frack pack to put some sand in to hold that formation back and be able to produce more oil. Okay. So the hard part is you don't know where the production is actually coming from. So offshore wells really hard to, to get in. You don't want to take a risk of taking down this $150 million well if you, you know put a fish in the hole. And so fiber optics allows you to take data across the entire well. And so what we did was we put this system together that would allow you to pump it down. I think we did like 28 barrels a minute, 10,000 PSI to put all this sand away so you could produce the well. And then you could see, okay, am I actually producing what I planned or no? Like, do we have a problem? And so that becomes the big issue is kind of these subsurface diagnostics. And that's where I've spent majority of my career is understanding okay, what is actually happening or what can we get closer to knowing what's actually happening right because it's just such an uncertain environment no uh, kidding and, huh. and so there's tons of room still for more innovation and so that's kind of pushed where i've gone majority of my career
1: okay that makes sense where it all stemmed from then yeah. okay makes sense so
0: and, oh sorry go ahead well yeah so i was gonna say i had access to the shell engineers and that was just a huge resource for me it was like okay why do you want this like, why? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, researching new tools and, and, you know, picking up, okay, why do you need a grout pack? Why does the sand come out? You know, like, why, these very basic questions. And some of the people on the team didn't know why. I was like, look, that's the spec, man. Just make it, you know. But I just kept learning. I'm like, okay, this is fun. You know, this petroleum engineering thing is really cool. Mm-hmm. And these guys I'm working with are killing it on the money side. Like, you know, can I do that? And so, Started doing the night school. So my wife was still finishing up her degree and I'm like, ah, I'm kinda bored. Okay. What'd she get her degree in? So she's got a bachelor's from A and M and then another bachelor's in dental hygiene. Oh wow. Very cool. Is she a dentist? dental hygienist so she oh dental hygienist so always keeping the teeth clean and, yes. and, and judging my smile no wonder you have such a fresh grill man <laughs> Jesus, no, i was more just starting to wonder man yeah i was. To ask, I think i might need another order of like whitening strips it's <laughs> yeah. t- time to get a re-up
1: you know i could probably use that every i mean i drink so much coffee that like fortunately i'm very anal about like brushing my teeth yeah. and mouthwash and like but i'm always checking for stains and the only time I, whenever i get into a dentist chair the lady's like you have great teeth, but I can tell you drink quite a bit of coffee. I'm yeah. like, yeah, well, hey, at least you're not having to pull my teeth out and do root canals yeah. and all that bullshit, right?
0: Yeah. And so that was actually the first time I actually learned anything really about bacteria. You know, what we're you know doing now is, you know, microbes are in your mouth. And yes. so that is the root of a lot of your like kind of health issues. And my wife's telling me, all this, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Again, I like to learn. And so, yeah, I can't really sit down and read like health and biology, but I can absorb it. Like if somebody can talk to me and like, let me have like a good back and forth.
1: No kidding. You know, it's interesting you say that because like in health and we're kind of taking a little sidetrack here, but like there's such a there's a lot of study and a lot of emphasis right now in your gut microbiome, but now there's even now talking about like your your mouth microbiome, your eyes, your nose. Like there's like, your skin, you know, is is basically a full you know layer of bacteria. Yep. So interesting. You know, I, I'd love to you know, go down that rabbit hole, but obviously this is oil and gas related, so people <laughs> would be like, what the hell? But interesting stuff
0: nonetheless. Yep. And so uh, started doing the night program. And the fun story on that one was I told my wife, I really want to do this. She said, okay. I was like, it's like a big commitment. Like we got to be on the same page. So, well, look, I'm getting pregnant. You know, at this time, this is what's happening. Yeah, you have so, no choice. So you can be there or not. Uh, so if you can finish <laughs> your degree by there. then, yeah. <laughs> she was like, "Hopefully you can finish the degree by then." Yeah. And I was like, okay. "Okay." So went in and just hammered it. I mean, I was doing nine hours a semester, working full time. Did you know an international trip to Denmark for work? You know, it was just all over the place. So earned it, and so that's one of my big things: set a goal and go get it. Like that feeling is just unbeatable of uh, that's no, what i try to get across to, yeah. yeah you know get across to anybody like set a goal that's not an easy goal and when you work and get it like that is like unbelievable that that feeling that achievement absolutely and so once I finished this you know brutal road to be you know now I got a master of engineering like I can build tools I understand the subsurface went into sales
1: <laughs> interesting <laughs> turn I gotta say like you could be like you know a reservoir manager or you know something at a high level and an operator and you're like no I'm gonna go sell stuff that yep. typically engineers can't sell anything and no offense to engineers out there but I've heard a lot of them talk and yeah they couldn't sell themselves out of a paper bag but they don't need to because they're engineering some yep. of the world's greatest, whatever it is. So, yep. you know, shout out to engineers. If it wasn't for you guys, we'd still be driving around on, well, not even driving, probably. <laughs> we'd still be on horseback, but anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so my whole, the whole kind of background on that was I was trying to decide, do I want an MBA or do I want a technical degree? I, I pulled the, degree, you know, lever on technical because I just didn't think I could replicate it. But I was like, I think I can go kind of earn some of this like business experience. And so going through the downturn, one of the big challenges we saw is like, it's really hard to make money as a service company. It's, you know, it's hard enough for the operator, but service companies are in, you know, a pretty difficult pinch. They they don't mm-hmm. get continuous flow from a well. And, you know, it was kind of interesting seeing that it was really tough for our team to understand like what does this thing actually cost? Like what does it cost to build it out of steel? But like, right. you know, what does it cost to like do this whole project? And so that was a big push while I was at Baker, you know, like okay, what are the right projects to be working on? I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And so I'd helped the sales team kind of push products out and test things on US land. They said, look, yeah. we're putting a group out. We'd like to see you come over and help some. Sure. Sounds fun. And like dove in there and was selling pressure gauges, selling fiber. And you know, had had some quick successes and then you know quickly found out it's not, you know, all easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, hundred dollar barrel oil will will make you look like you're a really good salesman. <laughs> um, but yeah, helped build that team, brought on a couple more salespeople to help. They built an operations team for us out of Louisiana. So still great friends with all those guys in terms of that experience, kind of helped build a business unit. Mm-hmm. And so that was what so really got me like the entrepreneurship bug of like, okay, this is this is fun to like take something from, you know, essentially zero dollars. Yeah. And then start to build it up and build, you know, like real revenue and You know, they're reporting out our numbers high up the chain. It's, you know, a team of like six of us. So, you know, it was really easy to see like yeah, it was this team that did that. And so from there, got a chance through a referral. Murphy was looking to add to their team doing Eagleford. And so look, I want to work the Eagleford or the Permian. Yep. I'll go do Eagle for like, this sounds cool. Yeah. And so they're a little while doing reservoir engineering and just drinking out of the fire hose of it's one thing to go to the class and, and do the equations, but you don't really learn unconventionals. You know, we're, we're writing that, that textbook now. Yeah. And and so as you're there, it's like, okay, well, let's try this. Let's, let's see what happens. And that's, that's really one of the big challenges, you know, that I'm still trying to help people with, uh, you know, with biota is it's very, very hard to know what's going to happen. Of course. Uh, So it's a lot of experimentation, but also, you know, What's that guy trying? You know, should we try that? Do Do we think it's a good idea? Yeah. And so we went through there and had a great time. It was a lot of work. It was hard, you know, going down to Katarina and just being out in South Texas and kind of seeing it's a whole nother world. I can imagine. But yeah, had a, had a great time, learned a ton, made some really good friends and, you know, got caught up in layoffs at Murphy. And so that was kind of the first one. It's like, okay, now we're, now we're in, you know, real life oil and gas. So
1: and That was in 2015, right? Yeah. right before, pretty much right when the downturn was going down.
0: Yeah. I went home to a two week old baby and uh, oh. a wife that had just quit her job to no. uh, say, Hey, you know, it, it should be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, honey. We'll make this work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Famous last words. <laughs> no idea
0: how, but we'll make it work. Uh, wow. How was that? Like, was she like, was she pretty? No. So my wife is great. So, you know, I had the first kind of two days of like, you know, poor me and, you know, I'm just up on the internet or on the computer, just kind of like scrolling LinkedIn and, you know, yeah. just being like poor pitiful to me. And my wife's like, Hey, look, like, okay, it's done. Like, you need to take a shower You get up, go to the gym. <laughs> like, you need to start working to get a job
1: okay that's yeah yeah you need to cut your hair you need to shave you haven't showered like you're going down this miserable path like put your shit together let's
0: go (laughs) yeah and so i was like okay all right totally right yes let's do this and so that was the first time you know the network really kind of came in and so i had a buddy of mine that you know interviewed for a job it's like nah, wasn't a good fit but he calls me as soon as he gets off the call and says hey it's not the right fit for me i don't think it's the right one he's like but it's, they're looking for you like when i hear them talking they're, they're looking for you And no so that, way so that was with optisense and so they were taking the actual fiber optic box so i had always done the plumbing a little bit of the data analysis on the fiber side and now optisense made the box and so got a chance to go over and see kind of that slightly different world now of kind of a data-driven world of you got this awesome technology generating technology but how do you go deploy it and so coming from an operator that became the big thing is you know, around that time, 2015, that was when people were stacking wells in the Eagleford. Yeah. Like, man, this is really hard. You know, do you put two layers, three layers, how many wells? And it's just a really hard problem to solve. You got to spend a lot of CapEx to just test it and see and hope it goes well. Right. And, you know, that doesn't work well long term because you're going <laughs> to miss. Yeah. And so I was able to help kind of take that, you know, operator experience and put together a plan with OptiSense, like management team. Like, okay, this is what we need to focus on. Let's go chase. How do you put wells on top of one another to optimize your your reservoir you know spend the least amount of capex to get the most production that that's the name of the game of course so when
1: you say putting wells on top of each other are you talking about like drilling wells close together or are you literally talking about putting laterals on
0: top of yeah each other? stacking laterals so you know are they 150 feet vertically separated is it 400 you oh. know how much oil is there how many wells do you need to put in to you know try to capture it because the truth is they're still not pulling much oil out you know it, it's three yeah. percent maybe six percent in some of the better rocks but it's, we're still not getting a lot of the oil out yeah uh, and so, are
1: you talking specifically eagle Are you
0: just talking in general for in general and unconventional stuff? yeah, yeah of we've course. got low recovery factors and so the interesting thing there is we get to see a lot of things that people never knew of course. Uh, yeah. and, and so it's the first time you see it and it's okay how do you confirm this or you know how do you put like another like triangulate it with another data point to say okay is this really right or are we kind of off in the wilderness on a bad data point and chasing it and so that means you got some tough meetings with customers you know they, they yeah. really want to know like okay how good is this? Or, Hey, you promised this and you know, you under delivered and it's, you know, well, I'm going to have to just own up to it. You know, like I, I got a long career ahead of me. I can't get a- away with, you know, always trying to push away. Like if, if you under deliver, you got to just own up to it and then, you know, try to get a route to make it back up, you know? Cr- yeah, exactly. And so from there, you'll know, help build the ops team up and love what they're doing. Like continue to watch like the whole distributed acoustic game, because now you've got a fiber that's like a microphone, the whole thing. You can just pick up sound so you can hear Different events, you can do seismic with it, micro seismic. Wow. And so there I get to pick up a little bit of geophysics. So now I've got my engineering, I've learned a little bit about lasers, I've learned about geophysics, I've worked in reservoir engineering, and got a call from a recruiter looking at biota. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, hey, we got this startup. There are people that have done new technology. Fiber is you know, new technology. Would you be interested? And I'm like, ah, I've seen it. DNA, like, what's going on? You know, yeah. like, there's no DNA in a well. Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> And so had the conversation and met with our CEO, Ajay, and I'm like, okay, you know, convince me that this is like legitimate because yeah. if I'm not convinced, I can't sell it. You know, there, there's no way you can do it. So he starts telling me, I'm like, wow, like, that's pretty cool. So what did that conversation look like? Like, what, How did he pitch that to you? So it, it was pretty slick in terms of, hey, here's the origin of the company. Yeah. Here's what we've done to date and here's our plan. And so they were getting ready to grow. The technology had kind of just reached its first like kind of, okay it's legit. You know, we, yeah. we technically vetted it. Now let's go commercialize it. Let's go apply this across the U S and hopefully globally. And so, yeah, so that was, it was a long process met with a lot of the team mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, learned new titles. One of our directors is a PhD in geomicrobiology. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna Google that. Cause that sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> and, and, no, it's real. You know, there's not a lot of them, but it's this very narrow focus of microbes that can grow in the subsurface. I'm like, oh, Okay. So ultimately that would affect production, I would imagine, or how? It, it can tie to it. And so that's been the fun part is, okay, now you can get DNA. Like what, what does that mean? Like, is it just a science project where you can get DNA out? Okay. That's fine. But that's not what you do when times are tight and you're trying to improve. Yeah. So the big thing is there's bugs there. There's souring. There's corrosion that's caused by microbes. And so sometimes right. the microbes are already there. Sometimes you weren't clean enough with the water you put into the mud or the completion and you put them in the reservoir and now you're feeding them. And so that's there. What's interesting for us is we found the bugs that already lived there, the ones that were there because it wasn't really known. No uh, so you can go back to like 2015 and people are like, ah oh, maybe, maybe not. We don't think there's enough room for a microbe to live there. But the academics have continued to investigate and then we're kind of parallel track.
1: No kidding. Testing it.
0: And so we've actually got out ahead of, of some of the academic labs in terms of like, yeah, no, they're there. Like, so
1: go. I don't know is if, if it, you're able to disclose it, but how do you, like from a broad sense, because I am by no means a <laughs> microbiologist, but like how do you, how does one know or what does that study look like to figure out, yeah, there is microbiomes down there
0: yeah so the academics take a very very thorough approach of like keep it as you know isolated as possible put these tracers in the mud so they can like detect how far the mud's invaded so they can know like is it you know clean have they cut off enough of the contamination to like look and so they're able to see it so the hard part for the subsurface microbes you can't grow them like in a lab you don't you can't have like a petri dish and grow these microbes yeah that's like an analog way of doing biology what we do is kind of what i call the digital Way of doing biology. We're going to look at the DNA, like this specific area of the DNA, and say, okay, what is this? What kind of microbe is this? And then it actually acts like a tracer. So that's what is the really interesting spot is hmm. you've got companies putting you know different types of chemical tracers down hole, and they've got awesome applications, but they also got their limits. Yeah. Well, now we've got a tracer that's already there. And say, okay, now what can you do with that? And so that's what we've done as a company is continue to just push the limit on like, okay, what can you do with that because it's. One thing to get the DNA out. Now you've got gigabytes of data, you know, A, C, T, G. And what do I do next. Yeah. And so now we've built out, you know, a few different applications, you know, mainly focused around stack plays to understand like, okay, where's it coming from? You know, is this well stealing from where that well is supposed to be producing from? Okay. And so that's what's really pushed us off is, you know, with the Permian just growing like gangbusters and it's a really complex, hard reservoir. And so there's a lot of challenges that they got there. And so that's where we've been helping operators the most. It's like, okay. How can we help you? What are your questions? Yeah. And then our team of like bioinformaticists. So it's like data science plus biology. So super smart team. Okay. Um, is out there continuously pushing the algorithms, pushing the analytical techniques to, oh, to pull crazy. this stuff out. Crazy. So what is a win
1: or like what's the ideal scenario for a company like Biota? like, you know, when you say like risk, when you, and again, like, excuse my terminology because I'm not quite. <laughs> so you like, you get these. Microbes that you're mm-hmm. able to analyze. So, like, how do you get them? Like, you pump something and then you get them back and
0: then you analyze so we, it under a microscope. Or so like, that's one of the cool parts. Is a lot of the diagnostics you got to put something in the ground. You got to you know put sensors on the ground, put sensors on the casing, or you know run something on tubing to try to get this data. We just take the cuttings that are already coming to surface. oh okay. Collect wet cuttings. Oh. And so we've got this awesome lab in San Diego that's built out. this incredible procedures to you know keep it clean, don't get it contaminated, and get this you know low biomass signal out what and so once you've got that now it's like, okay what can you do with that how do you do it and so then we'll take samples once the wells online from the produced fluid and you're pulling those same microbes up so mm-hmm. you understand where it's at in the rock and then the fluid that comes from that rock pulls those same microbes up and so at a high level it's just a venn diagram it's in the rocks it's in the fluid okay that's where it came from no kidding yeah. and then the algorithms can take it further and say okay you know what's that the dominant interval or is that you know low level contribution and so that's been the really interesting conversation is we're talking to these subsurface teams that have no idea
1: no kidding yeah. you know
0: they got a wellhead and they got a choke and they say okay production is coming out but they don't actually know like where that production is coming from because there just hasn't been a tool they could do it and so now we're in there which a lot of times that's a really good conversation but a lot of times we tell things that they don't want to know when they do put too many wells in there and that you know everything's communicating and so yeah we've had some pushback but in general, I'd say it's it's been you know appreciative of hey, you're giving us answers to what we wanted to know.
1: No kidding. So what would be like an ideal case that would make it a win for biota and a, and a win for an operator?
0: The big thing is chasing either where water's coming from or if there's oil you're not draining yet. You know, so oh, we, okay. we can do a log, the petrophysic can say, hey, you got hydrocarbons here, you got water here, so this is where we want to try to hit. And so it's all this recipe, you know. How do you drill the well for the lowest cost at the right spot that you can get the frac away, and then you know bring it online and make money? Yeah, um, but there's a lot of knobs to turn in that that system, and so a lot of times finding the water has been hard because you know the water rates are just outrageous in the Permian. Yes, and then also understanding okay, does it change over time? Because that that's the big thing is the main assumption is yeah, it's this tall and you're going to produce it, and we found that that is not true, mm. uh, and so that can shape your decisions on okay. You know, maybe short term, this is the right decision, but long term, this is not the right decision, you know, as you bring the wells on or you need to try a different completion design to try to get better results
1: i gotcha so do with what you guys are doing at biota does it tie into or
0: could potentially tie into like enhanced oil recovery stuff that's potentially the next stage okay um, so there, there's a few things we can do so there's microbial eor in terms of you put microbes in to try to divert flow yeah that's probably not like a sweet spot for us like we okay. can we can sequence the dna but that's probably not you know where we're, we're focused on but the really interesting part especially in unconventional,s is Everybody wants to do EOR. Like I said, they're only getting like 3% of the oil. Of course. So there's a lot there to keep chasing. But like, how does it work? You know, you've got all these laterals, big fracks. Nobody knows how it's done. You know, I was on an early EOR project in the Eagleford running fiber and gauges and helping operator understand like, okay, this is super complex. You know, this is not going to be easy. But yeah, so the question is, are you producing more oil from where you already got some or are you bringing it from a new area yeah and so that's what we've been trying to help you know people understand okay how are you going to verify that this works you know yes there's the there's the dollar signs yes that's absolutely but you need to have a good technical understanding of what's going on you know is all the gas or all the co2 going to one well is it going to one interval and so that's really fun because that's truly pushing the edge i mean nobody you know maybe eog has figured out you know eor for unconventionals and so it's like that's the big question now is like when do you do that yeah do you do it at 55 barrel oil or do you play with it now like what's the right timing and so that's the part i can't control but it's like hey we're here we're ready like this let's go like this is yeah. awesome so
1: would you say right now with this type of technology and you guys specifically you're at you know essentially a tip of the iceberg because i mean it just seems like like this is so new but like you look at like Like, what does this look like 10 years from now?
0: Oh, yeah. So that's what gets us, like, really excited is, you know, we're just using the base level of the data. Like, there's all these things you can look at in terms of taxonomy, what types of, like, biochemistry is going on to understand, like, further, like, is... The micro are the microbes helping the oil are they generating some of your natural gas that you know is help driving it yeah could you potentially put some microbes down there to generate more natural gas you know like to help push more oil? so there's lots more that can be done and the great thing for me is i don't have to know it i got an awesome team of like genomics experts and in, in biochem like that's their their wheelhouse but you know i just tell them hey here's the potential and i say okay here's a potential way we could do it and it's like, mm-hmm. what do you need you know if you need something our team can go get it like if you need data if you need wells like we can go get that but like let's make this happen. And so that type of turnaround, being in a startup where you're just it's so fun being one of the dumb ones at a company <laughs> when the team is just like superstars of like okay, yeah, sure. Like awesome. I'll, I can do that.
1: No kidding. That is so cool. So you must work with some really fascinating people. How's the culture like at Biota?
0: Yeah, it's good. So that that's the fun part is the backgrounds are so varied. So we've yeah. got a team in San Diego, you know, PhD in biochemistry our CTO like worked on the human genome project. Like we've no got way. just crazy background experience. Wow. You know, and our, our CEO is an engineer like me, but went the MBA route, mm-hmm. went into venture and our co-founder Rob Knight has like 400 publications, multiple publications in nature. And so you're talking about the microbiome. He's the guy in really? the microbiome. What's, what's his name? Rob Knight. So, Rob Knight. I, I always, I'm, aside from
1: oil and gas, I'm super passionate about just like human biology and then like wellness and stuff like that. So it's, I'm, I've been reading a lot in, on, on the gut microbiome over the last few years. Oh, so yeah, I'll it, have to remember that. So
0: he's probably cited in a lot of your papers. So no, he kidding. built the statistical techniques to actually look at all that DNA. So you got, you know, these thousands or millions of microbes in your, in your microbiome. Yeah. So you can sequence it now. So the technology showed up to where you could sequence it, but then it's like, okay, what do you do with all that data? Like, how do you, right. how do you look at it? It's just like giant phone book a c t and g and so he built kind of the foundational statistical techniques to look at that data and so in the process of building that that you know that workflow is what helped come in of okay this like groundbreaking science like how do you use that somewhere else yes you know because his lab is pushing stuff on aging yeah. um you know there's people that use it for like forensic applications of like when there's a salmonella outbreak they'll sequence salmonella all around the country and say okay like where does this salmonella look like it came from? Does it look like it came from Arizona? Does it look like it came from Florida? Yeah, there's just all these incredible applications, and so our CEO said, "Like, where could, we, where else could we put this?" And so, you know, a bunch of smart guys got together, looked at it, and said, "Okay, we think energy has like." Potential. Yeah. And so it's a true, you know, like startup scrappy story. Our CEO's, you know, originally from Katy, but, you know, been a California guy for, you know, decades now. Yeah. But he's out in New Mexico, like grabbing some samples off of a wellhead. Like, what are you doing? Oh, we're going to see if we can get some DNA out. Okay. No kidding. What a neat story. Oh, yeah. And it's so fun hearing, like, picture you know like i'll look back at the map you know i've been here two years which makes me like a dinosaur in (laughs) startup world right right. um but like i look at the map and i've been here for like 90 percent of our wells but i love hearing the stories of like okay what what about this Like, how did you sell this project like yeah we didn't know what we were doing at this point and it's like oh here's what happened you know we knew a guy and he got us an intro and you know we made it happen and so just that kind of scrappiness of you know what we sell now is not what we started with and so that kind of evolution of let's try this okay they didn't go great, but you know, could we pivot that into a slightly different algorithm or a slightly different application and get some success out of it? Gotcha. I wanted to touch
1: on this, something we briefly talked about before, but you guys have a pretty good reputation. And one, and actually I met you at the digital wildcatters dinner the other mm-hmm. night and, but where the name stuck out to me was when I was reading an article that mentioned your name talking about the digital transformation with Anadarko
0: and the things that they did before getting bought out. Can you touch on a little bit about Oh that? Yeah. yeah. And so we were one of the many startups that was fortunate to get to work with the Anadarko team. Uh, yeah, in I didn't the realize Woodland. how many there was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was great on them to like do that because it was needed you know the, yeah. there was finally kind of the push from from the entrepreneurs as well as the investor community but okay there's some opportunities there. So let's do it, but you got to have that buyer. You got to have at least one buyer to kind of get it going. Yeah. And so the great thing there was they kind of took the openness side. So they said, yes, we'll work with you, but it's not going to be a secret. You know, we're willing to work with you and you know publish like, Hey, we did have success. Yeah. And, you know, and they've also been open on like, Hey, they did this well. And you know, this didn't work out. Like, yeah, it didn't. Yeah. But it was a good working relationship. And so working with the team, in the Woodlands working with the team in Midland teams in Denver, like, okay, what can we do? What, what are your true problems? And so They really were, you know, instrumental in helping us get started and understand, like, truly understand the problem. Because, again, you know, before I came on, the team was predominantly, like, microbiome and genomics people. You know, we had, like, two oil and gas people that were trying to keep the wheels on. And so now, you know, having operators be able to, like, have this conversation, like, hey, here's what we see. And it's, okay, I like this data but I would need to know this before I felt like really confident to say that. Yes, like that, that's the truth. Yes. And so then our team, you know, goes back and puts it together. I say, okay, if you want that, we'll need this data. Like, let's, let's push these two data sets together and see if they agree. And so that process has been awesome. Just going through the learning as a company, you know, coming in as a guy that knows nothing about DNA, nothing about microbes to, you know, now I can answer a few questions and, you know, make it look like I know a whole lot, you know, yeah. when, when operators are, are you know vetting the technology. But, yeah, it's fun and it keeps you motivated. You know, like I said, setting that goal. Like, okay, we're trying to pioneer genomics and oil and gas. Like, how do you do that? Like, uh, there's no
1: playbook. I'm blown right now. That's, That's so crazy. So how does, like, AI and big data analytics play a role in what you do? I would imagine that's, like, the center
0: of this. Yeah. And so that's the really cool part is we are a true, like, we're pulling in all these threads we've got biotech coming in we've got the big data we've got cloud computing like all of our stuff is done on the cloud it's so awesome like dealing with our development team and data scientists and i mean one of them, I call them kids because they're like 22 years old, but they've had multiple companies, you know, they've done like, you know, they're like the true whiz kids. They were programming websites as kids and, you know, making more income than I was, you know, (laughs) as an engineer, like just, you know, because they're so smart and just digital natives. Um, And so, yeah, we're, we're doing these big data algorithms and then we're continuing to push and work with what's new, like what's the newest algorithm that's out there? Like, does that open up a new avenue for us? And so, Working with Rob Knight and being associated with the Knight Lab, we get access to some of the smartest people on the planet, you know, and that are just absolutely pushing industry. One of my favorite was we had a postdoc that before he went and started his professorship, he was working with us. And I'm like, oh, okay, tell us about yourself. And this guy studied ant microbiome. So he would get a bunch of ants, put them in a blender, and then sequence the DNA of the microbes that were in like their digestive tract. And I'm like, what? Okay, One, didn't know that's possible. Okay, so that that seems cool. I'm like, two, why? Like, why would you do that? And he's like, well, you know, they can like eat wood, you know, like they can break down these things. So it's like, is there like some unique biochemistry that we could replicate that would have an application, you know, an industrial application?
1: It's interesting you say that. I was listening to the Jordan Harbinger show, which is a podcast that I listen to. Anyway, he had a guy on there who is very, basically has spent his career in synthetic biology. And Mm -hmm. he was talking about how termites they can eat wood and like somehow figuring out if they can like replicate that amount of energy that it takes to break down wood in these little bugs mm. and then somehow creating something out of that yep. energy. And it was just like, Oh my goodness. Like, what is
0: this world coming to you? Like, oh, it's yeah. so interesting. Oh yeah. And you know, we see it now we have microbiologists at our, you know, operators now and I'm like, okay, has that always been the case? Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I worked at one, I don't remember there being a microbiologist there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like just seeing like, yeah, you know, they understand all these things about the human body about the microbiome about these different like chemical pathways and it's like yeah. okay well that's all code you know it's a c t and g to replicate that so like what is it how do you do it can you extract it out can you you know mash them together and so that's where technically it's all over my head but like the potential is just incredible to it see is. like where you can take it so yeah so i love getting to talk like to our team and you know anytime i get to go to san diego and talk to him it's like so awesome because i'm like okay i'm just gonna be like mentally be ready to have my mind blown for yeah. like what they're doing oh
1: dude you are like i'm slightly envious because that <laughs> stuff really interests me but i have not near the iq or brain power to be able to like understand most of it but just he, in hearing you talk it's what, what it's cool is it how exciting it is for me to see what sort of the path and direction that we're going through as an industry and something i said probably over a year ago was like i was like you know like i really truly feel that eventually oil and gas is going to be kind of like the next silicon valley like Mm we're we are are pulling in so many resources from all over other industries mainly you know silicon valley type of stuff with technology and ai and all that and now this obviously dna sequencing it's just it's extremely fascinating to see where we're headed yeah again it's such a neat conversation so you know aside from from the technical side like what do you like truly like most about your job
0: i'd say again it's just getting to learn so i'm always talking to like smart people you know and so getting in and go to talk to operators talk to even other service companies about okay like what do you do but not not just like what do you do about your job like just hearing like what some of these people do on their like side projects and inside it's like it is so fun to just get to meet new people hear what they do get their kind of perspective and that was something I probably just didn't appreciate like early on especially you know being the kind of stereotypical engineer I'm gonna go sit my cube and make my little drawing and then go do the test yeah but that is the fun part you know I used to think it was all learning as in a textbook but now you know getting to go out and talk to people that makes it a lot of fun and being able to pull those pieces together you know thread conversations over different months and different operators like oh that's what they're doing. That's the problem they're actually trying to solve. And so that is the really fun part for me is getting to see these like insights come in that, you know, they're not necessarily right there. It's not just printing like, hey, answer this question, but you got to pull multiple things together. And so that kind of discovery process is really awesome.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So more on a personal level, do you have any daily habits or routines that like just really get you going for the day to, you know, help keep you motivated
0: and just keep grinding? Do You got anything out there that's interesting? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's anything interesting. I think you always got to have something for yourself. I think that's the hard part, you know, getting up in the career, you know, got the wife, got the kids is how do you have something for yourself? And so the only way I can do that is wake up early and try to do something for me. And good for you. You know, if the body's feeling good, that's getting to the gym or going for a run and kind of getting that, you know, endorphin rush of, you know, getting a sweat in and sometimes the body's hurting. So it's a old man walk with a coffee and just kind of (laughs) listening to a podcast or reading an ebook to kind of just get myself woke up, get focused on, you know, either something technical, you know, even just reading some Bible verses, something to try to like put myself in a good place for the day and then kind of go from there, you know, be right. ready when the kids wake up, be ready when the wives wake up that's, to, to go.
1: That, that's interesting. You say that, I mean, I, it's so important. And now people are so focused on like, you know, grind and just like work, 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 but you know, it's hard to pour from an empty cup. Yeah. So like, that's one thing with my wife is, you know, we've got two kids, one's about 10 months old, one's almost four. And like, she's so focused on being a mom, which she does an outstanding job at. And I'm like, Hey, like this weekend, like make some plans with your friends, like go out, have some time for yourself. Cause like, you can't like be the best version of yourself unless you're truly happy and being able to do stuff
0: for yourself. And so, yeah, yeah, I can certainly identify
1: and appreciate that. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sending the wife away is like my one secret tip to every like husband and and new father. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. be there, love on like, but you want some points. Let mama go away and have a little bit of time to herself. And yeah, you, it, it, you learn the cues and then it it helps for months at a time. To Okay. Like, yeah, you, you need a day. like Right. You should go run an air and you should go you know, get out. Yeah. It's a crazy.
1: It's like my wife's a completely different person. Even like I'll come home from work, take the, you know, have the kiddos eat dinner, slowly start getting ready for bed. And she comes home after an hour and a half. And it's like, it's like she went on a freaking two week vacation yeah. and I'm like, holy smokes. Like it took two hours to make you feel like this. Like yeah. I'm, you clearly needed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I see. You got anything about you that not many people know about? You got any good hidden secrets?
0: Ah, uh, not really. I mean, I guess my big secret desire is I really want a PhD. I, okay. I, I think it's ego, but you know, I just love. Like I said, I love learning. Always learning something new. I was actually, you know, being a UT guy, I was actually accepted to AM to get a PhD in nuclear engineering. What? Um, because you know outside of dna that's the other like mind-blowing technology to me that you can pull energy like out of an atom so Dude. that's always kind of my like secret weapon that i got that i know a little bit yeah a little bit about a little on the nuclear side in terms of nuclear reactors nuclear health and so
1: right um, so why okay so nuclear energy it's probably one of the cleanest energies you can find it is. why does it have such a negative perception is it because politics get involved
0: yeah. So I think there's, you know, some some not in my backyard, but early designs just weren't safe enough. Sure. And just due to politics there hasn't been a good set like waste disposal plan. Okay. So my frustration is when people say, Well, you don't have where to put it. You know, and it's like, well, you sued to say there's nowhere to put it. So you, you can't like <laughs> yeah. yeah, just actively stop it and then say there's nothing that exists. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But there's some incredible minds out there working on new reactor designs. And so, you know, Bill Gates you know, is always pushing new technologies. And that's one of the things he's investing in is like, can you go from these big giant reactors? You know, we got multiple here in Texas. Can you go from these big giant reactors to smaller reactors? Mm. Um, because, you know, industrially, the reason it's not happening is they just cost too much. You know, there's too much cost overrun. natural gas is too cheap. So it has an economic battle to get over, but safety-wise, the newest generation of reactors are awesome. Yeah, uh, and you know it's not zero risk, but the risk is at an acceptable level. Gotcha. Uh, and, and so I think a lot of people that is the misperception. You know, being in oil and gas, you just live with risk, and you understand how to mitigate it and mm-hmm. minimize it is most people are not comfortable with the risk. And, and so that's the the big bad rap with nuclear is people don't understand. Yes, there is still a risk, but it has been engineered down to an acceptable level. Right. Right. Do you think it's going to get better? Like, do you see the future and of nuclear getting? I think I dodged a bullet getting out of nuclear okay. at the time I did because it was about a year before the Japanese reactor had the meltdown. Yeah. And, and so in terms of the U.S. nuclear industry, it's pretty non-existent. China's pushing it. And like I said, there's still a lot of new technology being funded, but it's probably still on like a 10-year horizon. It's, it's gotcha. not something that moves at like digital pace where you can innovate, you know, in a, in a week's yep. time frame.
1: Makes sense. Well, look, it's been a great conversation. For all the listeners out there, if you'd like to support the show, please do me a huge favor and do, if you could leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to, any feedback well, is certainly welcome and appreciated. Also, if you have a great idea for a show, if you have any questions or simply want to reach out and say what's up, I'm always on LinkedIn. So hit me up on there. I'd be happy to chat and grab coffee. Anyways, let's take a moment and tell everyone about our upcoming events. Hey, guys, this is Alex. And here are the events on deck for September 2019. We are bringing Oil & Gas Tech Podcast to the Internet of Things Conference in Houston, Texas on September
0: 16th through 17th. Joining us will be CEO Marty Sprintson of Vantique. You can register online at iotinoilandgas.com. The Midstream Networking Golf Tournament will be held on September 6, 2019 in Cypress, Texas.
1: And the dress, of course, is golf attire. The NOV Sporting Clays Tournament will be on September 20, 2019 in Katy, Texas. Dress is casual. The Blockchain and Oil and Gas Conference is in Houston, Texas on September 18th through 19th. And the dress is business casual. That's all for September. Hope you guys have a great
0: month and thanks for tuning in.
1: Awesome. Thank you. I want to also mention the OKC fin, feather, and fur, which will be happening Friday, October 11th. It's coming up. It'll be at Heritage Place, Oklahoma City. This is relatively new for the Oklahoma region, so show them some love and go onto to the AAD website or hit up Courtney Strang with Inwell for more details. Anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing old field hockey, come join the Hack and White crew for some old-timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Also, a shout out to my buddy, John David Willimon. I'm going to put a plug in here for him. Richard Muncrief. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, CEO of WPX, will be speaking October 17th at the Bricktown Event Center with the event starting at 6.15 and ending at 7.30. That's in Oklahoma City. It's going to be an oilfield prayer breakfast. So if you're interested, the link's in the show notes for to sign up for it. Anyway, it's been a pleasure meeting with you. Thanks again for all the great information. If people want to know more about you or certainly Biota, what's the best? Website, LinkedIn? Reach out on
0: LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm I'm always on LinkedIn, trying to like and add my little two cents to the conversation.
1: Awesome. No, we'll put your link in the show notes. And everyone out there, appreciate you listening. Thanks for the support. And that's a wrap. Always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town.
0: Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil & Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com.